but I didn't bother to do my due diligence. Get these wheels home. I'm mm -hmm. so excited. Get them refinished, put tires on them, put them on the car, and they rubbed at not even full lock. At basically half a turn of steering, they were rubbing in the front. And then at any type of bump, they would rub in the back. It was a disaster. Um, mm. I had these wheels that looked absolutely great. I couldn't even drive the car around the block. Hello, and welcome back to episode two of the Restricted Performance Podcast. I'm still Maddox. I'm Ross. How are you? And uh, yeah, it's good to be back. So if you haven't heard our first episode, uh, feel free to go listen to that one. We talk about um, affordable enthusiast cars at a few different price points. But if you're into cars and you're a car enthusiast who's getting maybe a car you've saved up for, something mm -hmm. that you're eager to have some fun with, you probably want to modify it. Mm -hmm. At least in some, you know, maybe some subtle ways. But that process of modifying a car can be confusing and a lot of people want to give you a lot of advice yeah frequently it's you know it seemed like a great idea at the time kind of a deal and uh i see that more often than not than not more than successful modification but you know uh i guess that's just the nature of modifying a car sometimes or at least badly modifying a car but... i mean it's really easy to get in too deep and in over your head because there are so many modifications out there. There are so many so-called experts out there. And we all have that friend whose car has been on blocks for the past five years, either because they went too far with their modifications and broke something, or they couldn't figure out you know, what they wanted to do with it. Um, and they got sort of in too deep and then choice paralysis or money issues took over and then you're left with a car that's no fun because you can't drive it you can't use it it's gone too far but before we get you know into that and our own mm -hmm. personal mistakes we'll we'll both share some uh some horror stories of modifying our own cars oh boy throw um, me in the deep end right away jesus we, we want to anyway. talk about uh, a few good modifications that you can do um, that are affordable and attainable and make a big impact on your car. Sure. Yeah, I think we'll start off, uh, you know, one of the biggest things I think, and this is more applicable to cars that are front wheel drive or all wheel drive, right, is, uh, is the rear sway bar, right? A lot of people, Huge. you know, I hear Volkswagen owners uh, taking their pants off right now and getting ready to get excited over sway bars. Someone from 034 Motorsport might be shaking their fists in the air. Um, but at any rate, uh, yeah, it's a good way to uh, improve a car's handling. Well, specifically, I mean, any car really, but, but primarily front-wheel drive, all-wheel drive cars. It'll make the rear rotate a bit more yeah. under load. Um, and, and it just allows the car to pivot because, you know, obviously, I wouldn't say it's compromised, but it's, it's, uh, it's not naturally able to pivot on throttle like a rear-wheel drive car can. Yeah, well, I mean, what you're doing essentially is you're stiffening the back end of the car mm -hmm. and you're dialing out some of that natural understeer you have in right. a front weight biased front wheel drive car. So uh -huh. I've owned a few of these cars. Every front wheel drive or all wheel drive car I've had 
the first mod I've done has been a rear sway bar, at least, you know, first suspension mod. Mm -hmm. Coilovers are a lot more expensive, and everybody on the internet will tell you to lower your car first, but I would recommend with a front-wheel drive, all-wheel drive car, and I have experience with, you know, 034 parts on the Audi A3, Audi A4, B8 and a half that I had for six years, um, as well as my R53 uh, first-gen Mini Cooper S. Huge difference. And mm -hmm. lowering a car, which we'll get into, comes with some trade-offs in terms of approach angles and drivability and suspension mm -hmm. travel. Really, with I can speak stiffening to that. the rear sway bar, the only issues or compromises that you're going to run into are maybe like some slight suspension creaks in the back as you're going down a driveway because you don't have quite as much articulation in the rear. Depends also on the end links you use. If you're using solid end links or you know like a heim joint style end link, uh, you know you'll get clunk from the rear, which is not unusual. It doesn't mean it's broken. It just means that you've removed rubber bushings from the suspension. I think uh, clunk from the rear is going to be the name of our podcast. Clunk uh, in the trunk. Episode. Clunk in the trunk. That, that's our episode title, folks. We can call it now. Clunk in the trunk with Dingbat and Weirdo. Here we exactly. are. No, uh, you know, uh, I've had, um, you know, I've driven minis within, with, with and without a rear sway bar, you know, an R53. And, uh, and the difference is like, is pretty stark at how much eager, more eager the car is to kind of more neutral, go through the corner in a more neutral way. Right. So, you know, roughly speaking, you can anticipate maybe two to four hours <clears throat> with two idiots. So yeah. Us. I mean, I've, <laughs> so, um, I, I've installed a rear sway bar before. It yeah. helps to have two people, but it's, you know, I don't consider myself a master wrench and I no. managed to do it with one other friend helping me. Yeah. So, or if you're an idiot like me and you try to change the bushings on your sway bar and you find out that the 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 aluminum studs on the sway bar for the BMW are made out of Swiss cheese and they snap when you go to the correct torque value on the torque wrench. Oh, I love I love aluminum yeah. studs. Yeah. Yeah. The problem is then and then they're inaccessible to get at without lowering the subframe slightly. It's a whole story. Anyway, aluminum studs is also the name of a bar in the yeah, East Village. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> next um so Time it's, you know stamp, I, mean, I, I, I would say uh you can anticipate probably about six to eight hundred dollars uh for the average sway bar uh in the case of bmw i recently looked at a set for a, a, a an industry colleague's uh three series station wagon an f31 and it was 700 for the two with bushings included from h and r so that's, that's pretty bad. that's pretty reasonable all things considered from a real brand obviously buy from a real brand that has history with your particular make or model right so for example uh you know dynan or maybe not dynan but they're not the same dynan they once were but h and r has a lot of experience with bmw and porsche but you know uh o34 has no experience with like mini so if they decide to suddenly branch out into mini not that they will but if they did you know maybe give them a little while before yeah. you jump into the deep end with them as your preferred brand or something, you know? Yeah, the forums and online research and reviews are your friend. Yeah. So next up, um, and I wouldn't say this is necessarily a skip, but maybe more of a Cautionary. caution here. Cold air intakes 
can vary really wildly in you, terms of quality. Are you telling me there's a danger to manifold? Danger to manifold, indeed. Beep, beep, beep. Beep, 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 beep. There's a danger to manifold. I mean, they won't blow your, a bad one won't blow your engine up, but if you think but about- But it will blow your floor out. Maybe. Because that's what yes. happened in the movie. <laughs> it, and, is, it is true. Yeah. It is true. Anyway. Um, but I think, you know, if you think about the- the important core functions of your engine, you know, drawing air and fuel in, igniting them and exhausting them. I mean, mm -hmm. drawing the air in is a pretty important step. And yeah, yeah. especially, you know, especially with force induction cars, but there are a proliferation of cheap cold air intakes on the market that people buy either because they look cool or because they make cool induction noise. I mean, something like a K&N, just don't expect big power from it. Well, I will say that, you know, again, there is some very high-end intakes also that don't make a difference. Right. right? I mean, as so, I'll, I'll shout out, my colleague Andrew Collins has yeah. done comprehensive testing on different intakes and different, um, different systems, and... different filters, you know, ranging from like an $80 filter down to an $8 filter and... He ended up actually setting his Honda 8th Gen Civic Si back to a completely stock filter mm -hmm. with a near stock, or a, sorry, a completely stock intake box with a near stock filter. Right. Yeah. Uh, the reality is, you know, the tunes for the car, like the stock tune, right, is not designed for higher airflow. So what's going to happen is the parameters within the ECU are going to keep that that range of values right that AFR and whatever else the car is tuned for stock in that uh, range right uh, it's not going to let it kind of deviate from the range or mm -hmm. deviate from the stock tune for a variety of reasons longevity warranty emissions compliance carb who knows right uh, but those are generally the biggest reasons why why that happens uh, but yeah that's why typically the car doesn't really care that you've put a fancy filter on it it doesn't know that you yeah have. i mean you can you can tune for it you can you can do those things but just remember you know oil filter oil based filters as mm -hmm. opposed to paper filters i've heard really mixed things about i, some I generally factory. stay away from some, them some are factory so bmw in my case with my 328 offered a uh, a reusable filter that you hmm. could clean with like a and n style cleaning kit basically um or just wash it with a sponge, really. I mean, it's, it's a reusable style filter. Because I looked at the air filter for the performance intake, and it was like $94. I said, that doesn't make sense. Right. You know, so I, then I realized, oh, it's reusable. Mm, so okay. so there. And, and you know, sometimes. But, yeah, oiling a filter in this, this day and age, will, I think it'll fuck up your math. It'll screw up the math in some yeah. cases. So I don't know. Maybe. I'm, I'm just wary of them. And also, yes, they're technically reusable, but if you've ever tried to clean an oiled filter, nope. they are such a pain to clean, especially if you drive anywhere with dirt, dust, stuff that's coming into the airbox. I mean, they are just horrid to clean. Clean, clean an oiled filter is the story of my dating life. On the next episode of the podcast, no. Yes. Anyway. Um, um, anyway. Next, yeah, and, next, and if it's under, yeah. just remember, if it's drawing air from under the hood, it is a hot air intake. That's correct. And that's worse. So. Next. <laughs> anyway. Moving on. Um, tunes. So over the past decade of 
you know, direct injection turbocharged engines, there has been a huge rise in tunability to the point where you can buy off the either off the shelf piggyback tunes or uh, more common flash tunes. Yeah, bench for, flash. Bench yeah. flash for yeah. for turbocharged cars and unlock mm-hmm. 40, 50, 60 horsepower. We don't discriminate against supercharged cars. They they exist too. Yes. So, no, <laughs> yes. I mean, I, yeah. I love superchargers too, but yeah. I mean, clearly turbocharging has One. won the day in yeah, terms yeah. of efficiency. Right, yes. Um, and yes. in terms of making easy power. Yeah, it depends on the car, right? So like certain cars uh, take to it kindly. Other cars... You know, if you have like a 1.4 GM engine, they apparently melt pistons with no help, you know? And, and if you have a <laughs> so, Ford 1 liter EcoBoost, they'll just eat their yes, wet it has timing a, belt. It has a rubber own. oil pump belt, which is or possibly the belt. dumbest design I've ever seen. Yes. But anyway, yeah, so, you know, you get a huge bang for your buck. Um, arguably, the tune itself is probably three to 500 bucks, maybe 700 on the high end, but... You know, this doesn't include the cost of some form of device to upload the tune, right? So in many cases, if you're a Subaru owner and you own a very esteemed collection of flat brim hats uh, and you go to Vermont, maybe, I don't know. Who uh, smokes? Exactly. Easy killer. Uh, so, you know, you need something like a Cobb Access port. If you're in the BMW world, maybe a JB4 or a wedge tuner, MHD flasher or something like that, or using an Android tablet to flash the car. Uh, etc. etc. You know, I mean, uh, I can give you an example like uh, uh, my M2 with a flash tune, it makes like 406 crank stock. I could probably make 460 crank or 450 crank with not much changed on the car with just a flash tune. I mean, yeah. it's ridiculous, you know. Um, but also, that makes the car absolutely undrivable to me. So, you know, and, um, and that's yeah. a really good point is you, when you're looking at these flash tunes, you want to look at the map. And the power yeah. curve, you don't want just want to look at the gain numbers that they talk about because yeah. that's going to affect the drivability of the car. That's yeah. going to affect the power peak. Yeah. And yes, it also can affect longevity of stuff. And if, if you're and doing if you don't things. know, if you don't know what you're looking at, ask a friend or yeah. ask a professional. Like, don't just trust that the that the company or the tuner knows what the hell they're talking about. Now, there is also two kinds of tunes, right? There's off the shelf, which are great. Um, they have their issues. They're typically, as far as I understand it, tuned on the conservative side. Dynan generally tunes conservatively. Carbon, which is Steve Dynan's new, uh, new at this point, it's been a couple of years, uh, enterprise, is typically about, uh, you know, is, is on the conservative side. But they also do a lot of other stuff like working with the oil pump to scavenge more oil to reduce friction. Um, so, so it just depends, right? Uh, but you can also have a car pro-tuned, which means that it's a custom one-off tune just for your application. With have you, have you ever done that? No, uh, because I don't, well, I don't know. I'm a little suspect about touching things because we've had uh, turbocharged X3 that blew a charge pipe. So I'm kind of like, and it was stock. So I'm kind of like, okay, <laughs> leave it alone. Yeah. So I, I would be really curious. I'm not one to talk, I guess, but. I would be really curious. Um, you did it on the A4. I didn't have it pro tune. No, I, I just bench had a bench tune. Yeah, I just had an off the shelf flash tune. Yeah, and I mean that really woke the car up. It yeah. unlocked a lot of torque that it didn't have before down low. Yeah, it gave you made you get I a mean, clutch. It had so. well, yes. So that I mean that's the other thing is I did the tune and you know it wore. I think you know, 
I bought the car used, so I don't know how the first 30,000 miles of that car's life went, but mm-hmm. let's just say it needed a clutch bad at 85,000 miles, and uh, I'm pretty sure if I hadn't done that tune, I would have gotten at least 100k out of that clutch. I mean, Probably. it was city driving, but I, as you know, I'm not hard on clutches. I've never had to replace a clutch in any other vehicle. No, um, you come in clutch. You're not hard on clutches. Anyway. Hey. Um, but yeah, so, you know, generally speaking, a lot of cars are tuned conservatively from the factory. In the world of BMW, which I'm most familiar with, generally speaking, there's about 25% on the table that they leave off. You know, there's a great episode, not to t- plug other episodes, but there's a great episode of uh, of Smoking Tire where they interview Steve Dynan. I think it's the first or second time they interview Dynan. Uh, and his his real discussion on and if you ever get a chance to listen to anything you know I'm sure he's on YouTube or whatever you can listen to him. Uh, Steve Dynan's whole shtick right is great. Um, I think he's he's really talked about how how much power is left on the table right. So at any rate, yeah, he's I was just looking. He's been on a few times, but if you search uh, "smoking tire Steve Dynan," you'll find it. Um, as far as reputable tuners i mean ask a friend ask people in the community talk to people who have your car Mm -hmm. and you know see if you can ride in it see if you can drive it um i try to find out if it's a reputable company that stands behind their products or if they're just gonna leave you in the lurch if you have some sort of engine problem you know in carbon's case right or formerly the artist formerly known as dynan uh, in Carbon's case, right, it's a, I think they do still do the four-year 50 yeah. warranty on their products, right? Now, you know, uh, say what you will, Steve Dynan does tune conservatively, but his cars tend to last. They stand behind their stuff. I've had a Dynan supercharged M3 for, for in the family for uh, 25 years this year, which makes me feel ancient. Uh, and the car's had the supercharger since 06, and it's been fine, right? No issues with the tune nothing once we figured out that a dying o2 sensor was the culprit but other than that uh you know hey who can complain and sometimes with a tune i mean cars will even run a little bit more efficiently if you're not on it so right if you're not beating the crap out of it you might get better fuel economy that's the justification for spending money let's be real uh yeah anyway exhaust you wanted to talk about exhaust yeah so here's um I mean, here's a really common first mod that I see people do. You know, you get your GT, you get your, you know, Mustang GT or you get your G37. <laughs> and the first thing that you go and do with that first paycheck after buying the car it's is buy a trombone. <laughs> you, you know, you go and straight pipe it or you go to the muffler shop. Or mm-hmm. you, you, and I get it. Trust me. I yeah. get it. Like, I like a good exhaust. I think this is just one of those things that you kind of have to learn by doing and learn by living um, and getting older. But um, let's be realistic. If you're in your 20s, you're going to put some dumbass exhaust on it. You know, so if you're I, a teen or you're in your early 20s, you're probably going to put some stupid exhaust on it that's too loud. So here's the thing to know about exhausts. you It is really hard to fundamentally change the way your car sounds. Yeah. By installing a louder With exhaust, exhaust, you are accentuating yeah. the way that your car sounds. You're not changing it. Right. So if you like the way your STI sounds, 
Um, just make sure that everybody else in your neighborhood likes the way it sounds if you want to straight pipe it. Well, unless you have an old W140S600, then you just make it sound like a Zonda. Yeah, those so, are cool. Those, you know? are, those are really, really cool. I mean, yeah. if you Google uh, S600 V12 straight pipe. $10,000 exhaust. Some crazy something. tunnel videos. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but yeah. yeah, start with a sound that you like. And please, please just don't go catless. Unless you're driving a 68 Charger or something like that that never had cats to begin with. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to smell. Well, it smells like crab gas. Nobody wants yeah. to start their day riding their bike smelling raw gasoline coming out of your car. Well, it's also more than that. Actually, a lot of the research that's been done, and I think Dynan also spoke to Steve. Spoke Steve Dynan spoke to this. Uh, was that it? Uh, the power gains really aren't that different with, no. without cat. Like modern cats are so efficient now that it it doesn't even make sense. And there's also alternatives. You can go with a high flow cat. You know, you can go with other stuff that's not, uh, you know, going to kill people or cause, cause, you know, airborne cancers or something. I mean, my dad grew up in Los Angeles in the days of smog alerts when you couldn't leave your house yeah. or they would cancel school because the smog was so bad. Yeah. And catalytic converters saved us from that and saved yeah. us from that life of misery. So if we can avoid, you know, as car enthusiasts being part of the problem, I think we have a responsibility. To yeah, it. I really don't want to grow like a third third nipple or something from too much exposure to like some problems. So um... we, we have a, enough problems to deal with without yeah. adding catless exhaust to it. Yeah, as they said in Festivus, I got a lot of problems and now you're going to hear about it. <laughs> no, anyway, <laughs> tires, probably the, the easiest yes. and the fastest modification. Yes. Yeah, this is, um, I mean... You know, at the the classic uh, automotive journalist beating a dead horse, but like yeah, huh? tires are going to transform your car probably mm -hmm. more than any other one thing that you can do to it. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, it depends, right? You typically get what you pay for when it comes to tires. So not always. Well, Pirelli. not not always. Pirelli. But, but a lot of the time, you do get what you pay for. Um, you know, I would argue that Michelin has kind of been on an upswing for the last 15 to 20 years. Uh, they really have come from, you know, in the, in the 90s and the early 2000s, they were kind of middle of the road. And then they really... Back when Carlos Ghosn was working at the Brazilian rubber factory. Sure. We just both finished a book on Carlos Ghosn. So that's a story for another day. But at any rate, Michelin, uh, as they say in French, Michelin, uh, is, you know considered probably one of the top brands for performance tires out there both all season and summer tires uh the super sport is okay i don't particularly like it on the m2 i'm replacing them because they're worn out um the sport 4s is obviously the standard there's now the it's it's five. replacement the s5 yes, which isn't S5. which isn't yet available for uh consumer purchase it's coming as oe equipment on certain cars um and then this ps4 as which is a great tire and also the new pilot alpin 5 winter tire which is great uh, but anyway, and then, you know, Bridgestone has something like the RE71 uh, R and RS, which are really R comp tires. They're really ridiculous. But, you know, for budget stuff, Redestein makes a great uh, kind of OE replacement tire in the Hypertrack, 
all season, and I forget what their summer tire is called. And maybe it's also hyper track. I, don't I think ultra all track, all something like that. Um, something, whatever. I don't really remember their names. But, I just know Jajara is involved. I mean, Vredesteins yeah. are pretty commendable for being solid throughout the range, and I think they really gained some steam with like the sprint classics, at least yeah. in like the vintage car scene. Yeah. But they're yeah. Modern offerings are pretty dang solid. Yeah, um, we had them on the Mini before we sold our Mini S, Cooper S, and it was great. They're quiet. They ride really well. They have good wet traction. You know, you get probably about eight-tenths the performance of a Michelin for half the cost, or at least a solidly, I wouldn't say half, but probably solidly 30% less cost. Um, I'm probably going to buy Firestone Indy 500s for my Mini. I, mean, I don't blame in, you. In 16-inch size, they're 120 bucks a tire. Installed. Come on, our comps. They're kidding. But um, and and the PS4 AS, I can speak highly of. I've had them the last three years on my 911. Mm -hmm. Um, They've lasted just under twenty thousand miles so far, Mm -hmm. and they Mm -hmm. still probably have another five thousand in them. I got uh, I got thirty two thousand out of my PS4 first set of PS4s on my three series, so it's pretty good. Yeah, I drove the Indy 500s on my friend Alex's GT 500 performance package. Uh, that is a 2012, not a current one, uh, and great car, uh, and even and in monsooning conditions for most of it, and the car was rock solid on those mm. tires, so I was really pleasantly surprised. I've driven them on a V70R and a Miata, um, and they were of, solid on both. A couple of tires I don't really like. I have driven uh, a friend's Fiesta ST on R888s. Uh, the single worst tire. I've, I don't care what people say. I get it if you only have a certain tire and a certain size. Was he size. tracking the thing? No, he's just wanted oh, ultimate grip because he was worried about triple eights on a Fiesta ST because it was one tire fire. It didn't have an LSD. So, uh, so he he. It just sounded like a wheel bearing was going. The road noise was unbearable, especially in a car that was like cheap. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was not great. Um, and then, you know, uh, uh, I don't know what the Proxis R18 R is. Did you experience that on something? Yeah. So I had those tires on, they're like one step below the R888. They're not a strictly an Mm -hmm. R comp, but they're like one level above that in Mm -hmm. terms of tread wear rating. Mm -hmm. And, um, I had those basically just my left front, my driver's side front destroyed itself over the course of a single... What car? Track day, basically. I did Lime Rock Autocross, which if anyone has been, it's not really an autocross. It's more of like a small track day. Yeah, it's a mini truck. Yeah. Um, it's like a half mile track and you go out for a short, you know, 10 minute lapping sessions, essentially. What what car was that on? 944. Oh, 944. So, I mean, it completely destroyed itself to the point where like that tire was unusable and i basically had to throw the set away Mm. um i did not particularly like those tires while i had them i was glad to see them go i replaced them with ps4 as that Mm -hmm. wore much better and provided more grip despite being an all season and not i know i know weird compromise archon nice tire Good job. Uh, mo- most of the stuff from Pirelli I don't like. It's too loud. I mean, the Trofeo RS is okay, but it's like... It's $2,000 it, a set. Yeah, and it's ridiculous, and it's a cut slick, basically. And, you know, but, but most of the Pirelli stuff, their all-seasons are garbage. Their uh, summer tires generally wear, like, 
like extremely quickly. We had P zero summer tires on the X three. They were garbage. I have three P zeros and one Michelin on the Mini right now because that's what it came with. Yeah, but it's like a Michelin Primacy. It's yeah, like it's, a, it's, it's like a Prius tire. It's a Michelin all season, and then three Pirelli P zeros, and I think the Michelin still has more grip. But the Michelin's like a touring tire. It's not even like a summer tire. Right. But anyway, interesting. And then the last thing I'll say is resist the urge to get cheap crap uh, from you know some far off country that no one's ever heard of, uh, because like yeah, cheap tires are great ex- until you crash. I'm I'm gonna put out except there for drifting. That- Nan King, I've heard really good things about Nan Kings. Yeah, I know. Nan Kings. For the AR comps, they're good. I can't vouch for them personally, but I have heard good yeah. things about that. Right. Um, the Landvigator Catch Power. No, I'm just kidding. Is that a real tire? Yes, I had those on a rental NC Miata once in LA. Okay. I saw something called the Deck Star today. I don't know where that's sold. Um, tractor store <laughs> I, I mean know. we could do a whole episode on funny tire names yeah there are cosmo s- mucho there are macho s- the mucho macho yeah the el jefe not not <laughs> a spanish tire brand as a no it's based in miami thought. actually anyway but yes so i just thought that you know uh, tires are the single most important thing you can do to a car it's quite literally what connects the vehicle to the road there's 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 no, I would argue, there's no single more important modification to a vehicle than tires. Period. I would agree with that. And you know, tires and are, driver training. But, and driver training, which yeah. is, will be the subject of another episode yeah, in the yeah. future once we're done training ourselves yeah. to yeah. go to the bathroom. Um, hey? <laughs> <laughs> I, tires are not sexy and they are kind of expensive compared to other things on this list. Right. However, I have not. You know, there have been times in my enthusiast career where I did not have a lot of money to spend, and mm-hmm. I have never regretted buying a set of good tires I'll for give a you, car. I'll give you a great example. Uh, I was just watching a show with Everyday Driver. Those guys are interesting. Paul and I cannot think of the tall guy's name. With Todd. Todd, thank you. Uh, sorry, sorry, Sting impersonator. Um, anyway, so Paul and Todd... They seem like nice guys. I don't know them personally, but they, they've had a new Prius on loan to them from Toyota. Uh, I guess it was like Great a dollar. I think it was like a dollar car from SEMA or something because it's like it's like on long term loan and they're like changing things on it. <laughs> so at any rate, um, the funny thing is nobody makes any parts for it. So because why would they? Right. But I think that car is going to have a really booming tuning scene, not I don't not know about tuning, not, but not in terms of performance, I think suspension, there'll be something out I there think for it, aesthetically, yeah. the first person to Liberty Walk a new Prius is going to be internet famous. Sure. And also, like, it's got a double wishbone rear suspension. So, I mean, like, there's chops there. I mean, I spent a week with one yeah. and 650 miles, and I was really impressed with the way that car drove. Well, they drove it with both the regular dog shit all seasons on it, and then they put a set of, like, actual, like, forget if they were re71s or some some insano performance tire that they put on it and like lightweight wheels right and sparkle wheels or something and they uh and they they had a great time at a track day with yeah that and a brz they took them or a gr86 whatever it was they took oh them. i bet i mean yeah. it's very neutral but yeah. yeah that just goes to illustrate how much uh tires can really improve a car i mean i'm looking forward to on the mini it currently has t- uh, 17 inch wheels that weigh 26 pounds a corner that weighs almost as much that's like only one pound more than the wheels than the 19s i have on the i know M2. the, the s that's lights, ridiculous the s lights are ridiculously are they, heavy are they made out of lead 
Uh, I mean, they're solid spokes, and they have a lot of spokes, and they have really poor brake ventilation because the surface of the wheel well, that explains, doesn't have big... Uh, that explains the crashy ride. So yeah. I'm replacing those in the spring with 16-inch wheels, also an OE mini wheel made by BBS uh, that weigh 16 pounds a corner. Oh, so great. be shedding 12 pounds a corner just through wheels and tires alone and going to uh going to the firestones so also we'll keep great. you posted there firestone uh at any rate yeah matt uh oh yes right i forgot you had a war story yeah so now let's get into some stories where maybe we didn't heed our own advice i mean we had to arrive at these conclusions somehow right yeah. more often than not we learned the hard way yep as one does um so when I was 17 or 18 years old, I bought a set of Audi TT second generation wheels. Um, they were 18 by nines they looked, uh, for my they A3. Looked they looked great. I mean, I bought them from a guy who had had them on his B5 S4. We did a little test fit in his driveway. He's like, we're sure these will fit. There's no problem. It's totally cool. You know, I bought them and I didn't. Yeah, I didn't bother to do the offset checking thing, the offset calculator, or anything really. Ma I'm not particularly math inclined, but I didn't bother to do my due diligence. Get these wheels home. I'm mm -hmm. so excited. Get them refinished, put tires on them, put them on the car, and they rubbed at not even full lock at basically half a turn of steering they were rubbing in the front and then at any type of bump they would rub in the back it was a disaster um, mm. i had these wheels that looked absolutely great i couldn't even drive the car around the block had to immediately pull them off and did you resell them yeah so i mean i had these wheels and they sat in my parents garage for six months God. i mean i was really embarrassed i listed them on craigslist i don't even think facebook marketplace was a thing no, at the it didn't time exist. Yeah. um i put them up on craigslist i put them up on facebook groups of like audi enthusiasts of socal mm -hmm. <clears throat> etc and finally six months later i sold them at a five or six hundred dollar loss and just to illustrate what that meant to me at the time i was working making $12 an hour at the Audi dealership doing social media and photography. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was a full week of work. Mm -hmm. Just, mm -hmm. you know, a full 40-hour week just flushed down the drain by a stupid decision that was easily avoidable. Yeah, I've been there. You know, I, I've been there myself. Had the same thing happen on a... Um, uh, you know, so obviously the, 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 the takeaway is like, check, make sure the parts fit the car. Obviously, you know, do the math. Don't be in a rush. We all like shiny things. But at any rate, yeah, I did the same thing on the 328. I got a deal or what I thought was a deal on a staggered set of winter wheels and tires. Uh, I got a set of used tires. That's what it was. The wheels we ended up using on the X3, but the tires were too low profile. So I ended up taking the tires. So then... You know, I needed a set of wheels to match the tires. So that worked out. But then they found out that they had discontinued the tires when I needed to replace them. So I guess then I get something in the size and I discovered that that particular tire it was like the Bridgestone LM something. It was like a low. Oh, the LM002s? No, no, no. Not the Lamborghini truck. Uh, no, it was like the LM3. 
30 or something. Anyway, whatever it was, it was like a rounded shoulder. Yeah, it's like a, a Blizzak, right? Yeah, it was a Blizzak, but it didn't have a square shoulder like a normal Blizzak, like a yeah. WS series. So the only thing I, I could like get... I like my men and my shoulders and my tires round-shouldered. You're straight. <laughs> there was a joke there. Anyway. <laughs> so... So I uh, I ended up buying tires that I thought would fit. And lo and behold, they rubbed immediately. Uh, tried rolling the fenders with the mechanic, and the mechanic ended up destroying the lips of the fenders. So oh I had to God. have. They, and then he had to. Then he took responsibility because he did it. So then ultimately it worked out because he had a body shop next. Wait, to a, me- a mechanic took responsibility for breaking something. He was very good until he decided to stop working. <laughs> so anyway, um, which is a shame, but I do I, I do miss him dearly. But anyway. Uh, so it ultimately worked out like the car was okay, but it was such a nightmare that I had to like throw them away, get yeah. a new set of tires, like get and a whole the, new set of wheels. Just the stress you know? of that whole ordeal. Yeah. Yeah. And then ultimately I think I ended up selling the wheels or get, sending them back to Tire Rack. That's what it was. Tire Rack was able to take them back. Hmm. Um, I was able to return them because it hadn't been that long since I got them. Um, but yeah, then the other one was like the BMW performance exhaust discovered, uh, that the use a universal there, you know, the, the, the exhaust comes in two sections, right? It's a valved exhaust. It's full okay. stainless steel cat back system. The center section is for both the, the coupe and the sedan. Uh-huh. So, but you're supposed to, according to the instructions, cut it to length. Mm. Well, a lot of screaming and cursing later discovered that I didn't have anything to cut pipe with. That's not a sex joke. So you anyway, just let it ride, you know, turn it up at the back and, and roll with the Bosuzoku pipes. Like ZTM tips? No, yeah, you, okay. you know, the, the ones that point up towards the yeah, sky. The problem is it wasn't pointing up. The whole muffler was like a foot too, like, or six inches too far out of the bumper. So anyway, so long story short, you know, undid all that, you know, they took it to a shop. It was, it was fine, you know, uh, but, but, you know, a lot of screaming and, and nearly damaging a thousand dollar exhaust was not, and yes, exhaust do cost that much. Uh, that yeah. was not worth it, you know. So yeah, I anyway. mean, when in when in doubt, you can always consult a shop. You can ideally, you know, we would all have garages with lifts in them and infinite expertise. I mean, YouTube is really a game changer with this stuff. But um, it can be there's there are certain things where you can really fall into a trap if you don't have all the information or if it's if you get into a project and then realize once everything's apart that yeah. it's a little bit out of your wheelhouse. So hi, get it wheels. There's nothing wheel joke. Anyway. Wheel joke. Yeah. Wheel speed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's nothing wrong with uh, there's nothing wrong with going to a shop or consulting a friend who's done this repair before. Um, but you know, misery loves company. That's right. We like being stupid (laughs) anyway. So, you know, it's okay to like, you know, so what, what's the recap of this episode? It's a little bit shorter than the intro episode. Right. But just because I don't want to talk everybody's ear off for so long, but you know, it's okay to change certain things, accentuate, enhance, if you will, much like most of South beach. But you can fundamentally change the car, right, and not kill yourself uh, on on cost, right? You can work smarter, not harder. Well, I think, yeah, and, and to that point, the modifications that are going to be the most rewarding are not transformative. Yeah. They're accentuating the things that are good about your car. Maybe they're fixing some flaws. 
but they're probably, you know, you're not going to buy a Prius and turn it into a Mustang and you're not going to buy a Golf GTI and turn it into a Lamborghini. I'd also argue knowing when to stop. Yes. Right? So like the 328 is a great example because I use it every day. But I, you know, the engine sounds magnificent because it has a good exhaust on mm-hmm. it because I know the engine had potential to sound great because yeah. I did the research. The shifter was rubbery and sucky, so it needed a short shift. And the car had too much body roll from the factory, so it needed better suspension to kind mm-hmm. of control that. Yeah. Right? Without the harshness of a stiffer sway bar, necessarily. I didn't need that, necessarily. And the ride height was, like, preposterously high. So, like, it's only lowered about three quarters of an inch. Yeah. Um, or half an inch. It looks something like a that. lot better. It does look a lot better. And it still doesn't rub. There you go. So, if you do your math... Uh, and you do the job right, and you you also target exactly what you want. You don't just start throwing money at the problem. Right. I think having a having a clear vision and idea of what right. you're going for. Like, I haven't changed anything on that car in 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 terms of modifications in like twelve years. Right. Right. I mean, I think you, you know, if you like know the five things you want to do, and you kind of plan them out, and you can do them either at the same time or sequentially, mm-hmm. like. There's nothing wrong with being done with a car. I mean, well, we nine, all see... 9 is a classic example, right? You got a set of wheels because you like them and they look great. Uh, Still haven't put them on a year You will, later. but in the <laughs> spring, in the spring. Uh, the set of chairs was practical because not only do they look great and they're more comfortable, but it also replaces two very broken seats. Yep. Right? So that's just a, a clever example. Yeah, I mean, also with my Mini, so what I've kind of targeted with that car is doing what the like a scaled down version of like what the original john cooper works or john cooper works gp kit was mm-hmm. which is a reduction pulley so you're operating the supercharger doesn't uh the gp might i the think it had 208 horsepower i thought it was yeah a but blower. i believe it just had a reduction pulley and intercooler and some other associated uh associated tuning um but the hardware i believe was the exact same so by that token if i wear a smaller belt i could be more powerful yes okay anyway Uh, you'll run faster Um, something's gonna hurt but anyway but you know that 15 percent reduction pulley makes the supercharger operate more efficiently and uh then you know the rear sway bar i put a subtle exhaust on it Mm -hmm. that is tasteful but ex, you know from, accentuates some of the, from, from miltech there you go from miltech in england uh so it's british and so, then yeah. um I, I may do you know a sh- slightly tighter shifter at some point but mm-hmm. the shifter feels pretty nice and i'm do i mm-hmm. just picked up going against our earlier point a, a oe john cooper works intake which opens a secondary it's a valved intake which i didn't know was a thing Except but it's just for sound um it's for sound and it's for high it's for power high in the rev range okay. so it opens right. up a secondary um plenum flap. and flap at a right. o- above 4500 i All actually right. have a similar thing on the 911 that okay. that does a pretty good job yeah, very so, something ram or something. total it, either way be so good last two points that we'll make you know one uh you know there's trade-off with everything you do right so in the case of the 328 i lowered the car uh, there are certain speed bumps that the car likes to rub its stomach on. I have destroyed an underbody shield, you know, only really one. One I replaced just because it was old and cracked, not from any bottoming out or anything. It was just old. Uh, but it's but not I just have the knights of the round table that destroy underbody shields. All right, that's a deep deep cut. 
Um, but, uh, uh, That's what your underbody shield said before it got replaced. What are you saying? <laughs> it was a deep, deep cut. Yeah, so lower, lowering a car, you know, it comes with trade-offs, right? You don't get to necessarily get over certain things. But, you know, for the most part, I think I can count on one hand the number of times I've actually, like, rubbed on something with the car. Like, that's why it's not crazy low. Yeah. You know? I mean, it takes a little bit of extra attention, sure. Yeah, but I've also gone 150-odd thousand miles with the car more or less lowered. I mean, I think less, like maybe 140,000 miles or something like that, and it's been fine. Yeah. So, uh, and then really the last thing is, you know, uh, I don't think, I feel like I don't need to say this, but I do, based on what I see recently. I mean, we, we see it around. But yeah, don't be stupid. Dangerous modifications are dangerous. You know, stancing, uh, I get there's a culture for them. You know, a lot of the stance people I know aren't like driving at a hundred miles yeah. an hour. They're like towing. They're either trailering the car to the show or they're driving to a local show. I mean, if it's a show car, fine. Do what you want. Um, I don't get it, but you know, if it's airbags, you know, that's an elegant solution to uh, being able to have it look really good parked and also drivable. But yeah. some of these static stance builds, you have to imagine that people either like hate themselves or they just don't. You know, you know, they don't drive the car. Rolling coal, popcorn tunes, you know, uh, just, just, you know, things that would be answered or classified as bro. Antisocial. You know. Anything that would be classified as antisocial behavior. Yeah, yeah. Like lift, lifting a truck so high that pedestrians' heads don't come above. I mean, there's Carolina squat. factory that are, yeah. Carolina squat, you Which know. Which is now illegal. It is now illegal, thank God. But also, like, you know, I, I see it all the time in my neighborhood. Bro trucks, right? The lifted trucks, which for some reason are on low-profile all-terrains. Like, where are these tires being made? Bluetooth drive shaft. Bluetooth drive shaft, but that's only for SEMA. Um, and then rolling, you know, rolling coal and some of that crap on, like, the diesel trucks. Like, you know, D, D, DEF and DPF deletes are common on 335Ds. I hate that. I mean, I respect the hell out of, uh, I respect the hell out of Gail Banks for saying, you know, clean is mean. Like, let's, let's get performance out of these cars, these turbo diesels, without, you know, making them into gross polluters. And Yeah, so much so that the federal government has actually asked him to consult on performance, uh, adaptations not necessarily hot rotting but for reliability reasons on military vehicles yeah so so pretty neat stuff so that's my shtick and that's your shtick yes uh and that I'm, is the shtick and i'm kind of like you know that's all i got to say about screwing with your car so we'll be back soon for more episodes uh i think we'll next be diving into some niche car cultures which should be fun um, mm -hmm. but for now that's all there is to episode two of Restricted Performance. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later. Bye.